African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning and thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us here on Channel Africa and you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. You should know that by now that we're also on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Uh, thank you for joining us online on www.channelafrica.co.z. I'm Benjamin Mushatam. You're going to be with me for the next hour as we zoom into the big subject matters on the African continent. Well, let's zoom into today's topic and I don't know how many people know about the Pan-African Parliament and its role. And that's the big question that we're asking today. And if you want to actually interact with us, do that on our social media. Uh, do you think that the Pan-African Parliament is really necessary, especially in the advancement of justice and democracy on the continent? Is it relevant? Is it something that's actually making it different? Or does it seem to be just an expensive talk shop? Just recently, the Pan-African Parliament and the Parliament weeks has received new members and bid farewell to those who were leaving the continental body. The chambers will still be led by its re-elected Cameroonian president Ngondo Ndang who uh, is uh, there with the allegations that we came out last week of mismanagement of the Parliament's Fund. That was a big story. Uh, we know as well that there were a lot of questions around the composition of uh, the membership within Parliament. People asking why don't we have younger members within the Pan-African Parliament. We saw an introduction of a large contingency of South African politics such as uh, uh, the very controversial Julius Malema, Tandi Mudise, Togo Didiza were sworn in as new members. But there seems to be more questions now being raised, especially that big story that has been going year after year, whether the Pan-African Parliament should have legislative powers. And uh, joining us for this discussion now, we joined by the clerk at the Pan-African Parliament itself, Mr. Vipia Harawa. We also have uh, Ms. Vinita Kalen, who is also a member of uh, the Pan-African Parliament uh, representing South Africa, a member of the Democratic Alliance. Also, a former Vice President of the Pan-African Parliament now joins us and is a Member of Parliament in Sierra Leone. We've got Dr. Benedette Lahai who's joining us once again from Sierra Leone. I'm not sure, quite sure where in Sierra Leone she's joining us, but I know that uh, this is uh, an outside call that we're making today. Let me start with you, Dr. Vipia Harawa. It's very interesting to see a new composition of members within the Pan-African Parliament, and this actually brings forward a new set of ideas, a new set of energy within the Pan-African Parliament. Tell us a little bit about uh, just uh, the recent experiences of the Pan-African Parliament uh, with this uh, new change uh, within its membership. 
Uh, yes, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm not doctor yet. so. Uh, no, I said mister, I didn't say doctor. Refer to me as mister. Um, oh, you are doctor? No, I'm mister. Yes, you are mister, that's what I said. Thank you. And um, yes, uh, we had uh, elections on the 10th of um, May. Uh, but uh, to address the question of the new membership of the parliament, um, we have a new membership of about 33%, almost a third of the members uh, are new. Um, so uh, we, the membership changes uh, on a rotational basis because of the ongoings of the uh, national parliaments. You know that uh, each member state uh, uh, appoints five members of parliament to represent it in the Pan-African parliament. So when there are changes in the country, uh, consequently we're also uh, uh, affected here in our membership in the Pan-African parliament. Mm. So the composition starting from the um, uh, May this year has changed by uh, some 33%. Well, in, in terms of that particular change, it brings uh, very much robust uh, members. We know that uh, the economic freedom fighter, Julius Malema, was very much uh, uh, verbal and uh, very much uh, outraged by the management of uh, uh, the Pan-African Parliament recently. Uh, we know that there's that issue of uh, uh, the Cameroon president of uh, uh, the Pan-African Parliament, Koto Deng, being accused of... Of refusing a, a table report about the organization and its finances being accused of his lavish lifestyle in 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 connection with the, the work he does with the pan-african parliament tell us a little bit about a backdrop of this vpr because this was a big in the news at the time and brought out a lot of controversy around Ngoto Den and the financial uh, situation of uh, uh, the pan-african parliament uh, the new membership of the parliament has brought um, a new dynamics, but that is not to say that the former members uh, did not perform their, their functions. Uh, I think we had a good crop until the new crop came in, and we're looking forward to um, a parliament that deals with continental issues affecting the parliament and the African Union and the African people at large within the context of the Pan-African Parliament. We do not uh, ordinarily, as a parliament, um, indulge in uh, national um, <clears throat> national politics. Um, mm. We do not subscribe to national politics one well, way. Well, the question I was asking you was uh, finance within finance the Pan-African within Parliament. The Pan-Afri- I heard sure. your question. Thank you. Sure. The finances within the Pan-African Parliament are subjected to the usual governance uh, systems that they are. We are subjected to three audits. We are subjected to audits by an external board of auditors or internal audit. Uh, Audit also, thirdly, by uh, the Department of Audit in the African Union Commission. As to the veracity or otherwise of the allegations, at this point I would say they are allegations. The audit reports, um, to a large extent, uh, raised uh, what may be considered to be uh, maybe uh, tips um, in relation to the state of uh, governance in the Pan-African Parliament. But the allegations that are being put on um, 
individual offices, I would say including mine, because I'm the accounting officer mm -hmm. to the parliament. So, um, the allegations can only be substantiated maybe by a detailed audit, maybe by a forensic audit. Mm. And um, I think that, um, uh, yes, there are allegations uh, about the president, there are allegations uh, about my office, there are allegations. What are these? Can you clarify him? on these allegations what they actually are? Because that's still a question mark. Because we still, the big question was around that report on, on, on the finances, and that's still not clear what uh, the allegations are to this point. No other allegations, I think, that are clear. The context in which uh, Honorable Malema uh, raised. Um, uh, the allegations was anticipatory. The allegations, if I understood them correctly, were that because the outgoing bureau of the Pan-African Parliament was not tabling the activity report, mm -hmm. and because it had rescheduled presentation of the report of the um, Committee on Audit and Public Accounts to the second week mm of the uh, parliament after the elections would have taken place on the 10th, then, therefore, there must be something that this bureau and this president, who is also a candidate, is hiding. Mm. So the allegations were made as uh, in, in anticipation, mm. in anticipation of the fact that we are going to have elections on Thursday, the 10th of May. Mm. But before the elections, we will not have seen the activity report. Before the elections, we will not have received the report of the Committee on Audit and Public Accounts. Therefore, there must be something that we are hiding. Well, let me bring the conversation to Ms. Venita Kalin, who's been waiting patiently alongside Dr. Benadette Lahai. Um, your thoughts right now on the state of being of the questions around the Pan-African Parliament. Clearly, from a public point of view, there are questions on the legitimacy and on uh, the uh, integrity of uh, the Pan-African Parliament, Ms. Venita. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to make a contribution. I've been a member of the Pan-African Parliament since 2009, and I currently hold the position of chairperson for rules, privileges, and discipline. Mm. The audit report, which should have been tabled before the election of the president, was tabled much later, and to my mind, having seen the original report, the report that was presented to Parliament uh, was actually a sanitized version. So I have some concerns about that. Mm. Uh, for example, in the original... Why, why do you consider it as a sanitized uh, document? Did you see a document before that? Yes, yes. I okay. saw the document in its original form. Uh, and this document had to go before the Bureau, the President, and that committee, and certain elements were left out. Such as? Let me give you an example. Sure. I'm giving you an example. Sure. One of the examples is there was an amount or a claim made by the President for an amount of $10,000. This was for his robes and his insignia oh. and...
things like that. Uh, and uh, the comment next to that claim was the claim could not be processed because uh, the invoicing and the receipts were of a poor quality and in some instances unavailable. When the report was presented to the Parliament, that particular section was not there. It was deleted. Mm. So I had some concerns about that. Uh, We get a lot of donor funding from uh, the EU. That money cannot be accounted for in the audit report, and perhaps in the EU audit it might be accounted for. The President undertook 31 trips. Uh, in a period of three months, uh, allegedly on the premise of uh, popularizing the protocol of the Pan-African Parliament to change it from uh, a consultative body to a legislative body. But we know that there are those that claim that that traveling was for campaigning for his new presidency. Well, that's exactly my point. When I asked him to explain how many trips he had undertaken, he, he, he misled Parliament by saying he'd only taken four trips. But I know that he took 31 trips. And on the basis of saying, no, I'm doing it to, 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 to legitimize or popularize the protocol, in reality, he was having meetings with the speakers of those parliaments with the, with the, and also with the ministers of foreign affairs mm. of those parliaments to entrench his support and his candidacy to sit for a third term, which is irregular. It is contradictory mm. to the AU rules mm. and principles of rotation, which has been, uh, which has been uh, uh, you know, uh, minuted in a joint mm. bureau meeting. Okay. Let, let, let I me, have called. Sure. Okay. Uh, because South Africa is a host uh, country for mm. the Pan-African Parliament, and we have a host agreement, I have called on the uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs for South Africa mm. to conduct a forensic audit into the finances sure. which South Africa contribute to uh, the Pan-African. Well, I'm, I'm going to take a quick break because this conversation is becoming very, very serious in terms of the integrity and what the Pan-African Parliament is supposed to stand for in terms of its role, especially with the challenges on the African continent. But I'll come to you, Dr. Benedetta I Stay patient there on the line with me as we carry on this debate around do we really need the Pan-African Parliament as there are now more questions around its integrity, its transparency, and its way of doing business. As you've heard, there are many questions around that from both Ms. Venita Kalan and Dr. Vipi Harawa, also highlighting some of the allegations coming from the new members of the parliament. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Channel Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app at itunes.apple.com If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
Well, thank you for joining us, White and Channel Africa, keeping you on track on what's happening on the African continent and the big conversations that are taking place. This is African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday, we bring you experts to look at the big subject matters on the African continent. And truly and surely, we always do best to bring you people who are relevant to the subject matters themselves. And today, we're looking at the relevance of the Pan-African Parliament, the questions around its integrity, the questions around its finances, and the big questions question around is it needed since it's just an advisory body and doesn't have really a legislative power so why do we need to invest so much in this particular body dr benedetta hi i don't know if you've heard from both the, the clerk of the pan-african parliament and also member of the pan-african parliament we've got to mr vp harawa and miss venita kalen who's joining us on the line real questions around the integrity of uh, the the, the pan-african parliament you've been the former vice president of the Pan-African Parliament, and uh, what are your thoughts on where the question is now of the status quo of the Pan-African Parliament, as you've heard the conversation going before we went to that break? Thank you very much. I have very carefully listened to the two speakers, Madam Kirian and also Vipi Harawa. Let me thank you for bringing me on this very important conversation. Yes, I was the one of the vice presidents of the Pan-African Parliament since 2015. I was representing the West African region. Uh, my tenure ended on the day the elections were conducted. Uh, on the 10th May, I left South Africa on the 14th of May to come back to my country. I'm no longer a member of Parliament in mm-hmm. the Australian Parliament, so. Uh, I'm now a freelance consultant. Uh, I have listened very carefully to the history of the Pan-African Parliament and where we are. I also listened to the... I've read, since I came back from the Pan-African Parliament, I have been following also newspaper writings in South Africa on the the Pan-African Parliament. Possibly there's one that talks about the the legitimacy in Shambles. Uh, say the host SA country, another one says SA bankrolls pap heads of fancy states, another says Pan African Parliament has abused our hospitality and so on and so forth. And they make very interesting reading. Uh, let's just address a few of the issues raised uh, over there. We are aware of the many trips that the president makes to member states uh, advocating for the uh, ratification, signing and ratification of the uh, vice protocol. Both of these uh, trips have been taken in the last maybe four or five months, leading towards the election of the Bureau. Of course, uh, we in the Bureau have always raised an eyebrow because uh, most of these trips are not to the knowledge of the other vice presidents. And even when trips are made to our region, mm. we are not aware, we are, part, we are not part of the trips, we are not aware, and sometimes the first time we are hearing of these trips is when we mm. go to the report are being made. So we have always questioned that. Mm. But I know where the staff are coming from, why these trips, and many mm. of these trips to the elections, mm. of course, actually, have been led that these trips are really not to popularize the, the, the 
photo robot maybe as a campaign tool. Okay, I'm so having a... Dr. Benedetta, I have to stop you there. I'm having a problem with that line. It's clear, but I hear the sum of what you're saying. It's not very clear, your line, because I know we're calling you all the way from Sierra Leone. But let me bring back those questions back to uh, Vipia Harawa, the questions around those uh, trips uh, that uh, the Pan-African Parliament President was making. That's a big question there. And also, um, what uh, Ms. Venita Kalen was highlighting, that some information was taken out of uh, the uh, final report that was released uh, by the Pan-African Parliament in terms of its expenses, especially big allegations around where some donations from a big body such as the European Union not knowing where it is. Those are big allegations that are being made there. What's your response to some of your former members and your current members' views of what's happening in terms of the administration within the Pan-African Parliament? I think uh, I'll just repeat what I said earlier to say that, um, uh, as you rightly put it, the allegations are serious. And um, as also uh, has been observed, there are bodies and uh, systems in place for reporting of these uh, issues in the parliament. And those bodies and systems have reported, you know, so the Committee on Audit and Public uh, Accounts has presented its report now to the parliament. If the report is lacking, I think Parliament should have a way of pursuing the matter further. If the report, um, uh, as I would uh, comment on my view, in my view, Mm. the report is raising issues, issues that may be conclusive within the terms of reference of an audit, Mm. a normal audit, Mm. but may not be conclusive um, if a forensic or a deeper audit is um, employed. And so uh, to say that I should comment one way or another Mm -hmm. after the responsible body has submitted the report uh, would be out of turn for me. But what I would say is that if the audit report are bringing out issues that are inconclusive. The governance approach to this and to laying to rest the allegations that may be leveled against the parliament is to conduct a detailed forensic audit. Pick one item and explore it to the root. I think Mm -hmm. that it's uh, not a matter that um, can be settled by debate or Mm -hmm. by comment of the clerk of parliament or it's, it's a factual thing, you know, if money was uh, uh, received from the European Union, there are ways of going into detail mm. about that, uh, seeing when the money was given, who it was given to, mm. what it was used for. And that's why what uh, Honorable uh, uh, Santosh Kaliana said about um, a forensic and detailed audit for me would be the way to go. To, mm. we, we cannot lay these allegations to rest mm. by debating them.
All right, let's let's move the topic a bit forward because there's other uh, real issues around the Pan-African Parliament and its effectiveness, especially in terms of how it influences the African Union. And uh, Dr. Benedetta Lahai, before I go to uh, Ms. Kaylan, I I just want to look at this issue that you've been really pressing on in the last three years since I've been speaking to you as a member of the Pan-African Parliament, since I've engaged with stories there, was uh, the issue that it doesn't have legislative powers and that uh, it's not really... A strong body if it only plays that advisory role uh, why is that conversation always finding itself where it ends at a certain point and uh, that legislative arm is not enabled or that wish for it to be a legislative arm is not enabled do we know what the concerns of the main body of the african union is of not making sure that this body is more uh, a body that has uh, uh, is given teeth and is given some form of a prowess in terms of action. Dr. Lahai, are you there? I think I've lost her there. Uh, doctor, uh, let me come to you, Ms. Vinita Kalan. What are your thoughts on that in terms of transforming the Pan-African Parliament into um, a more legislative body? Well, look, um, I think the, whether the question is whether the Pan-African Parliament has relevance or not. Uh, now, it, when it was formed, the idea was to make the Pan-African Parliament Africa's equivalent uh, of the European Union. Union. Mm. Uh, and it is, a, <clears throat> it is a child of the African Union. The mother body is the African Union. So it is a meeting place of uh, 54 uh, countries of, of members of their parliament and it's uh, an opportunity to discuss issues, to debate issues, uh, to share cultures and um, models of governance. Unfortunately, none of those resolutions ever see the light of day because all the resolutions have to go to the African Union in order for implementation Uh, and moving it on to the member states. Mm. The African Union itself, one would question uh, its relevance today, having been established in in 1963 uh, for a particular purpose, and that is for maintaining peace and security on the continent. Uh, And now there is a call for its reform. Uh, there are over 1,500 resolutions sitting with the AU Assembly, mm. uh, which have not been yet uh, resolved or, or, or attended to. Mm. So I think the Pan-African Parliament, while the ambition is to change it from a consultative body or consultative forum or parliament into one that makes legislation for the continent, uh, the reform of the mm. EU, I think, first has to be accelerated mm. so that all the little bodies under it can achieve its goals. Mm. Let, let me move that, Dr. Benedetta Lahai. I think we've got her back. That's something that you've been very strong about, uh, the issue of uh, turning this uh, body into not just a consultative body, but one that has a legislative arm to it and uh, has some form of inf- power in terms of influencing um, the African Union, Dr. Lahai. Yes, 
Yeah, as I was saying, uh, there are really two schools of thought. Uh, there is one school of thought that says, uh, despite the fact that we are not just a legislative body, but even in our advisory role, we could do more and better in terms of the uh, African Union shared value legal documents that have been uh, developed, and many of which have not been signed nor ratified, and mm. they are not being implemented in mm. their respective countries. Uh, so therefore, uh, so this school of thought, uh, it is not your status that is important. It's what, whatever status you find yourself in, how effective you work to conduct that status is very important. The other school of thought is saying that uh, in the absence of the parliament being a legislative body, like we know in all parliaments, the lawmaking function, the oversight function, the representation of function, given the legal status of that function, then we find it very difficult to move. All that we can do is to make model laws. If you look at the revised protocol that we are trying to, to have it come into force, it tells us that there are several ways that an African parliament can come up with legislation. The recommendation can come from the African Union to us, or we can also make proposals to the African Union, and if that proposal is all right, then we can move ahead. But what I'm saying is that uh, we have a lot of roles to play, and we have been playing some of those roles. For example, for the coming of the African Charter on Elections, Democracy, and Governance mm. into force, the mm. Pan-African Parliament play a major role. We had regional uh, and national consultative uh, meetings to uh, popularize the, 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 the Charter. Now the Charter has come into force. What remains is its implementation. Of course, that Charter also needs to be periodically reported in terms of progress. We have other charters. We are now talking of the continental uh, free trade area. We have other charters that are lying out there, not being domesticated, neither ratified nor uh, signed. So the question is also goes back to the heads of state and the member and our foreign ministers. Because most of these charters went to rigorous amendment and discussion at the AU level, either in the PRC or the executive council meetings mm, and also mm. to their assembly. So we are wondering, have we made all those amendments, especially of the protocol, and mm. it came back to us. The issue is why are they dragging feet on the adoption and implement and, and signing? Mm. Is it because that they don't really believe that the Pan-African Parliament is relevant and that uh, for now we are not living up to our our, our, even our advisory role, or, or, or that they have a, a second thought as to why, in fact, the Pan-African Parliament was established in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, there is a lot of also questions. Some of these questions we are raising, you know, question of our productivity, mm -hmm. our reporting. I have been attending the African Union Summit, you know, as the Vice President of the Pan-African Parliament. And one of the criticisms that has been levied against our reporting is that we are reporting series of just activities, but they want us to be more result-based in our mm. reporting. We have uh, African Union objectives. Our objective is to deepen democracy, uh, ensure there is rule of law mm. and the observance and enjoyment of human rights, continental mm. integration, and so forth, so that our reporting should mm. really be in line with our core mandate 
for example, if we go on election monitoring, if we go on peacekeeping missions, if we go on fact-finding missions, mm. and then, you know, how does that relate to, to the observance of peace and democracy sure. in, 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 the, in the entire continent? I hear you, if Doctor. We, <laughs> I, I want to take those yes. issues back to uh, Mr. VP Harawa because it, it means that the work then of uh, the Pan-African Parliament is a vacuum of sorts. Yes, there are people meeting, there are great ideas that are being spoken about in terms of uh, various charters that are discussed from a legislative point of view. But when it comes to the African Union level, as both assessed by Dr. Benedat Lahai and Ms. Venita Kailan, it seems like there is no real support for uh, the Pan-African Parliament. And as Dr. Benedict Lahai, as a member, she felt that there was no real um, response from the African Union and asked the question, did they see it, see the work of the Pan-African Parliament as something that is uh, uh, non-relevant? What, what are your thoughts on uh, what better work can be done between... Uh, the coordination between the African Union and uh, the Pan-African Parliament. Yes, uh, uh, Dr. Lahai has articulated this excellently, as she always does. The vehicle that the African Union chose was a parliament. So when it chose to create an organ called the Pan-African Parliament, it was to be a parliament. And the parliament, by definition, makes laws. So these other things that we are busy with at the moment are important. The consultative role, the advisory role, um, all the promotion of uh, uh, ratification of African Union instruments, they are important, but they do not need to be done by a parliament. Mm. So if you look at uh, model laws, for example, model laws are not the exclusive domain of the parliament. The parliament makes statutes, it makes actual laws. Mm. If you look at advisory role, it can be done by other organs. If you look at consultative, any organ of the, um, of the African Union can play a consultative role. But we are a parliament. And so until we attain the level of being able to make laws, because that is what a parliament does. Mm. That is what the organ they chose us to be. So what's, what's stopping that, uh, uh, Mr. Harawa? Yes. Let's say that again. Please. I'm asking you, what's stopping that particular process that you yourself are also hoping for? Uh, what's stopping it is uh, the will of our creators. We were created by the member states. And it's up to the member states now to ratify the revised protocol of the Pan-African Parliament. Mm so that the Pan-African Parliament can attain that status. So far, out of a minimum, uh, the minimum that would uh, uh, allow us to attain that uh, level, uh, the level of a legislative organ, is mm. 28 ratifications. We currently have five ratifications. Mm. And the last of the five was two years ago. Mm. It means that in the last two years, there's been no fresh uh, ratification. And that is something that is up to the member states. Well, that's very concerning indeed. And that brings us back to that question, Ms. Venita Kayla, the fact that is the Pan-African Parliament relevant? Should we not just scrap it 
and uh, maybe get another kind of department that's going to be part of uh, uh, the African Union that's not going to be so costly as the Pan-African Parliament has been for the continent in the last few years? I don't think that the Pan-African Parliament should be scrapped. I think it's got lots of potential and it can do uh, a lot for the African continent, especially if we look at the uh, free trade African, you know, the movement of people with the African passport, making it easier for people to move on the continent and thereby increasing trade opportunities and contributing to the economic development of the country. And but that's, that, Venita, that's a hope. The, the, it's the not really something that's that. happening. That's the question. If well, it's not happening. Mm. It's not happening because our status has not yet been changed. Sure. Now, the protocol itself has got a few uh, problems with it. And one understands the reluctance of member states to ratify it. I mean, mm. from a South African perspective, um, the, 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 the issue with the protocol mainly bases itself around or the concerns that we have as a South African parliament mm. is that the constitution of South Africa allows for 400 elected uh, MPs. Mm. Now, the Pan-African parliament is calling for an additional five members to be appointed. The current situation is that we are elected by the parliament, but from political parties, and you represent South Africa at the Pan-African Parliament. The new protocol is saying that there must be five independent uh, uh, members of parliament who are now uh, members of the Pan-African Parliament. Sure. And the question, first of all, is our constitution only allows for 400 if I'm elected as a member of the Democratic Alliance to the Parliament of South Africa and then I'm sent to the Pan-African Parliament, it means I lose my position on the Democratic Alliance list. I then become an independent MP. If for some reason uh, things don't work out in the Pan-African Parliament, mm. I can't go back to the, to the Democratic Alliance and say I want my position back because we are, ba- we are sent there on a list. Uh, uh, sure. So this is, these are some of the things okay. that the countries, all countries, are battling with. And I think the right way to, to approach this would be to call for more input on the document mm. itself, to call for amendments to it, uh, which would then accelerate the ratification sure. process. Well, let's leave it this. I think the Pan-African sure. Parliament can have relevance okay. uh, if this protocol comes into play. Well, a lot of questions that are still pending after this particular interview, and a lot of work seems to be required to be done. But thank you to our guests for giving us their transparency, their honesty in this conversation. Uh, thank you to Mr. Vipia Harawa, clerk at the Pan-African Parliament, Ms. Venita Kalen, who's a current member at the Pan-African Parliament. And thank you to Dr. Benedict Lahai, who's been the former vice president of the Pan-African Parliament. It's been a very insightful conversation. Thank you all for giving us your views and your thoughts. We really appreciate your participation here on Channel Africa.
Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you very much. And thank you to my two colleagues as well. Fantastic. That takes us to 11.45 Central African time. Hey, we heard a lot of issues get, came out from that conversation, issues around financial mismanagement, issues around the issue of transparency on how uh, the current uh, president of uh, the Pan-African pa- uh, Parliament, Kondo Deng, has been uh, doing business within the confines of the Pan-African Parliament. And also that issue that is still pending on uh, uh, the powers that the uh, Parliament actually has. It just is an advisory and consultative body. Should there be more done in order to make this a parliament that's worth investing into? Give us your thoughts. At Channel Africa One, that's our Twitter handle. At African Dialogue is our other handle. Or you can join us on our Channel Africa page, simply titled on Facebook, uh, Channel Africa. 